Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey everyone, welcome to Big Blend Radio. Today we're excited to catch up with travel writer and author Kathleen Walls. She's been on Big Blend Radio quite a few times talking about various destinations across the country, but mostly the South. She loves the South and the Southeast. In fact, she's born in New Orleans. She lives in Florida. She likes to kayak with alligators, and that's where we really (laughs) bonded on the first time she came on the show. And uh, you're going to be hearing and seeing more of Katie on our shows. You know, we've been talking about this whole new set of panel discussions and programming starting this fall, 2023. And she's going to be part of it with a whole bunch of other great people that you've heard of on the show before. And uh, today, though, we just kind of want to reintroduce Katie and talk about her books, her upcoming books, her destinations that she loves to travel to, her travel writing. So I'm going to give you her websites and that will be all of that's linked in the show notes, whether you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook or listening in on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever. So it is AmericanRoads.net is her website for her travels. And then you can go to KatieWalls.com. And that's K-A-T-Y for Kathleen, KatieWalls.com. And that's where you're going to learn more about her books. And her books are fiction and nonfiction. She likes ghosts. She likes history. And loves music. So she's definitely part of our Big Blend family. So welcome back, Katie. How are you? Well, thank you. I'm so glad to be involved with this. And I think it's a great project. Yeah. I do love music, as you said, and I've been doing a lot of music travel lately. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the birthplace of country music, and going to be going to Dollywood again pretty soon. That's awesome. You know what? I have to say, Dolly Parton is, you know, we're missing, we're, we're losing so many icons lately, like Tony Bennett, right. Robbie Robertson, um, you know, Rodriguez, who's someone I grew up in South Africa listening to is like my the soundtrack of my youth. And um, America caught on to him later. But, um, you know, it's, you think about someone like Dolly Parton and the mark that she has made on She's this country. Idea. She does good, right? She does. She contributes to so much charity, and she she doesn't brag about it. She just does it. I mean, what I really love about Dollywood, as compared to some other theme parks, rather than hiring just somebody because they're cute and a teenager, she hires local people, her family, her people who knew. I mean, if she's got a weaver, they know how to weave. They grew up weaving. These are the people that made the Appalachian culture what it is, and that's what she showcases at Dollywood so much. And Hmm. that's one of the things I love about her, aside from her music. I mean, to me, she is the last great American country music singer. Well, Loretta Lynn, doesn't she have a theme park, too, that just, you know, and we've lost her, too, which sucks. Right. I have not been to hers. And, of course, she just recently passed away, so we've lost her. And we lost Tammy Wynette quite a few years oh back. man well this is this is off to a sad start today. <laughs> we're getting more in here i know but you know there's hey reba mcintyre just opened a place um you know so that that's up in uh oh i'm gonna forget the name uh akota atoka akota or atoka it's like a halloween town in up on the jefferson highway you know we're involved in that 
where the historic route goes from Winnipeg to New Orleans, your birth town. So you're going to have to come on the Jefferson Highway show and talk about New Orleans. Definitely. I've driven on Jefferson Highway many times, a long time ago, but. It's a toka. I'm I'm going to get in trouble for not getting it correct, but. for you and the music, because I know you have one of your newest books coming out is about music, right? Right. And it's becoming very difficult. It's um, What I'm trying to do is tell the whole history, not so much what's going on now, but how music evolved over the years and the blending of both white and black music to create country music, actually, the blues, jazz, rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even hip hop now is almost considered history. It's fifty years old. That's hard. Yeah, to it's fifty years. Well, yeah. When you but, listen to what how hip hop came about, it's really fascinating because it's really about expression, right? And right. and it was very territorial. Which, when you think about the blues, which which is pretty territorial, and exactly. that's something we find as we travel the country, like the South. I mean, I keep saying I'm just going to do a show on the South, then I go. <laughs> I do an interview with a Midwest artist going, man, there's all this going on in the Midwest. It's like a whole Every different place. scene. Right. You know? And each place it went, when you go like Muscle Shoals, it was rock, but it was different. It was Southern rock. You look at Motown and you see a whole different type of, of rhythm and blues. You go to New Orleans and you see, I mean, there was Fats Domino who was one of the real starters of rock and roll. And you Get to Missouri, and there's Chuck Berry up there. I mean, oh, don't stop! And yeah, Chuck Berry, yeah. And I heard that he had a pool swimming pool that is the shape of a guitar. I don't know if that's true, but I heard that he did. Could be. I had not heard huh. that one. Well, he was, was a naughty boy, though. He had oh, little peepholes in his in his you know his restaurants restrooms or something. Well, you know, when you look at some of them, there's some of these people. When you look at Memphis, Sam oh, Phillips yeah. Studio. I mean, I wouldn't want to be married to that God. I mean, but look what he did. He brought rock and roll to us without him. And what he was trying to do was a good thing. He was trying to merge what they call race music with what white people listen to and bring it together. And that's what he did with rock and roll. Smokey Robinson, I saw a film with him up at Motown. And that was one of the things that he commented on was that when they played music down south, they'd start off and it was all segregated. Of course, this is back in the 50s and 60s. And black people are sitting one place, white people are sitting another place. But then they start playing and the music gets everybody up there all dancing in the aisles together. And that's rock and roll has really done a lot for race relations. Well, do you think that music, you know, I, w- I was reading a quote today about the, it was Jimi Hendrix, actually, um, because mm-hmm. this week, you know, it was, it was the his it, this coming week as you know as we're recording now is actually the anniversary of Woodstock, and um, you know 1969 and Jimi Hendrix famously closed playing the Star Spangled Banner and I was looking at quotes from him and he said, "Music is the truth. There is that is the purest truth that we have." And I always say that about the arts because I know you write about history a lot, even in your articles. Um, when you travel, you cover history and. I remember talking with Milton Howery over in Memphis, uh, you know, in Memphis travel um, about like we were talking about the music. I said, but you can't really talk about the music without the history and you can't talk about the history without the music. Do you find that as a travel writer and a music lover and a historian? Mm-hmm. And and to me, when I go, I want to know what this place is about. 
And the music tells us. I've always wondered, especially back in the culture when I was growing up with rock and roll, the songs were so much about the hot rod boards and the racing and the drag racing. And I was terrible at that. <laughs> it's a wonder I'm still alive. But did that reflect what we were doing? Or were we reflecting what the music was saying to us? Or was it just a blend where we were all part of the same culture? You've I mean, said blend twice now. We love you, Katie. <laughs> but when well being born you know born and raised in New Orleans that had to be I mean is that where I mean what started for you was it the love of music was it writing and was it tell us a little up, bit about your background on that I grew up with music my mom and grandma my grandmother played piano she was Irish she played piano my mother knew they tried to teach me but didn't work uh but I grew up with all the songs the Irish ballads or uh, I'll take you home again Kathleen which really isn't an Irish you are Kathleen I'm like you're Kathleen you're Irish yep <laughs> and Kathleen Mahorny which is what I was named for and then my dad played baseball and he would be singing uh they take I'll take you out to the ball game uh and another one was so funny he always would sing which was one of the big band songs uh he'd come in and start singing there's some I found a million dollar baby in a five and ten cent store and then he stopped and said, oh, they don't have those anymore. And, of course, yeah. we knew. We'd say, oh, what? The five, the, the million-dollar baby? And he'd say, no, the five and ten-cent stores. He would really be surprised now. Now we have Dollar General at every corner. You're right. The family well, dollar. It, it was a big band era. And then I, one of the earliest songs I remember listening to with the blues was Connie Boswell singing Basin Street Blues. Oh, and yeah. For a long time, I couldn't track that down. And I finally was tracked down with the Boswell assistants. And uh, you grew up, if you rode the bus, you rode Bur Bourbon Street. Those days, you, the bus passed on Bourbon Street. So you would hear jazz playing there. It wasn't just all strip joints. But there would be a Louis Prima and Pete Fountain would be playing jazz there. Uh, Fats Domino was, you'd see him all over the city. He drove his pink Cadillac and you didn't think anything. Oh, there's Fats Domino riding down the road. It was just a part of life. So I grew wow. up with music. And then when I was about 16, I got hooked on country music too. I heard George Jones singing The Window, the window Up Above. Uh, that got me hooked on country music and then got into the Hank Williams, listening to his music, and the poetry, the wording. And I guess I've always been kind of a writer at heart. Actually, I was a, a science major, anthropology and sociology. And one of my professors, oh, wow. uh, your, papers, your papers are always the most interesting, but you're not being factual and dry and keeping it like a science paper should be. That should have told me something. But uh, to me... Just you know, the words of the country songs were what's so important. There were there were poetry, beautiful poetry. Yeah, and I think you know that's so interesting. You say that because it, it's so interesting. Even on our side, doing the podcast and interviewing, and all of us writers interview people, mm -hmm. and it it sometimes takes the writer to tell people what the scientist or the professor is trying to teach the historian because sometimes they're they're in it. They're they're the nuts and bolts, but the general public. If you want them to understand, we, they need that. They need the music in between. They right. need to have that. They Just they need it. Yeah, they need to have feel warm and fuzzy to learn because if you're not raised with a scientific mind and now you want to get people to understand science, oh, good Lord. 
board. We, we need writers and we need music. We need film. We need the arts to, to, I, I think the arts played one of the biggest roles of education of all time. I really True. do. Right. And it's being so sadly neglected. And that's a shame. I mean, mm. science is important, but without the arts, that's what feeds your soul. Mm. You know? So let's talk about ghosts. What got you into ghosts? Because you've got a lot of books on ghosts. You've got, you even go to the West. So some of your history books go West. So yeah, let, let's talk about haunted. Have you been, have yeah. you seen a ghost? Well, sort of. <laughs> it was kind of a funny experience. I grew up again. My grandmother was Irish. Uh, and I remember her and her mom and my mom talking about this house that they had bought before she was ever married. My, my grandfather died when my mother was young. And it was my mother and my grandmother and talking about this house. And I mean, they, my parents were very religious. They would not have lied for anything. But the experiences, I mean, they were there. They told them. And you couldn't deny that happened. And I got interested in it, of course, because of that. But then, of course, New Orleans has such a haunted history. And I lived in St. Augustine for a while, too, which again is... Oh, yeah, the oldest city. Look at it. It's not that unusual to think that, especially you would find like this young Civil War soldiers. Some of these guys were 14, 15, 16, died suddenly. Their whole life cut off and gone. You know, maybe they just weren't ready to move on. And uh, in writing the books, I have found, I mean, obviously some things are just kind of urban myths and just make for a good story. And uh, that was my cat, sorry about that. And, uh, <laughs> but other things, I mean, where you go in a, in a bed and breakfast and people who have never seen one another will tell the same sort of story. My my only real experience that I had was, it was kind of strange. It was after a travel media showcase, of course, and it was like I'd been about 10 days on the road, and I was in um, Charleston, South Carolina, and I was staying at the Francis Marion Hotel, and I was working on my ghost book, and the manager of the hotel, I had originally picked a different hotel who did not want to broadcast a ghost story. Some hotels just, I don't know why, they just don't want people to know about it. But anyway, this hotel did. So when I was talking to the North Carolina people, they said, well, no, that hotel, they don't want you. <laughs> but this other one, Francis Marion, they have a story and they'd like you to come. Well, I didn't know what the story was. It was, wasn't really out there. So I went to the Francis Marion and I'm going to meet the manager who was going to tell me what was going on the next morning for breakfast. And I wake up and I'm in my room. I'm just sort of lying there kind of trying to think, what am I going to wear? I didn't want to wear old dirty jeans and a t-shirt. I wanted to look a little more presentable. And I'm definitely awake because I'm trying to figure what's in my suitcase that's still clean. And it was like for an instant. Everybody, this is the life of a travel writer for sure. I know exactly. Strange time. This this little lady was lying next to me. She was a little sharp person. And I mean, I could see her clearly just for seconds. And it was like she was wearing a tan linen outfit. No way. Jacket. And had one of those turbans like they used to wear in the, back in the, maybe in the 40s, 1940s. And heavy, heavy spots of rouge. And an elderly lady, and her eyes were closed. I mean, I didn't know if she was dead or alive. What, and it, I wasn't long enough to even get scared. It was just... Like she's there and then she's not. Whoa. 
my God. So anyway, I get up, get dressed, go down and meet the manager, and we're having breakfast. And she begins telling me, before I tell her anything, she begins telling me she hadn't been there long, and she had come from California, and she's showing some potential people who wanted to have a convention there, showing them through the hotel. And she goes to open a room and realizes she forgot the key. So she turns to get on the elevator, goes downstairs to get the key. And as she turns, she said she saw a little short person step on the elevator. She gets on and no one's on the elevator. So she's all, what's going on? So she gets down and she tells her sales representative downstairs. And the sales representative just sort of took a breath and said, oh, that's Otis's wife. Don't worry about it. And we never did find out anyone that well. She tried to track down Otis was the guy with the, tele, the uh, elevator break. Yeah, Otis elevators. Right. Yeah, but this hotel was built 1924 25, which would have been past his time. However, he had three sons, and one of the sons, I think the youngest one, uh, was somewhat of a playboy. Had three different wives over the years, and his youngest last wife was a showgirl, and I. One that we neither of us have ever been able to track down what the real ghost story was. But I wondered if it had something to do with this guy's last wife, maybe. But it was just wow. a weird experience, but it was just for a second. And like I said, didn't even have time to be scared. The other weird experience was when I was working on the Georgia book and I was at the uh, Marriott, Marriott, Marriott Museum of History in Marietta, Georgia. And it's an old building, which once was the hotel uh, where a man named Nick Fletcher, who was a union sympathizer, but obviously wasn't going to say that, uh, owned the hotel. And this was the hotel where the people who stole the general from the great locomotive chase, and I forgot his name, but they stayed there the night before. And then after doing pass out, the hotel became a hospital for both Confederate and Union soldiers. And the curator at the hotel, Mr. Cox, when I was interviewing him, not specifically about the ghost, but about the museum, and just he's telling me about seeing these things, and then he's telling me, but I don't believe the ghost. So just kind of kidding him, I said, hey, where should I take a picture to get a ghost? And he said, oh, the History Channel is going to be doing a program, and they said the mannequin. And there's this mannequin in a Civil War dress, just very low-tech. This is this this is a very low-tech museum. This, you know, it's an old building. Mm -hmm. And uh, just not thinking, I took one picture, took one step, and snapped the melody. And that, that I was using slides those days. So, you know, I just snap, snap, send them off. When they come back, one of the picture has an orb from the top of her head down to her shoulder. The other one, Ooh. nothing. And there was no change in setting. I mean, there was one step, one second between the pictures. And, I mean, there's wow. slides. I couldn't have faked it if I tried. And obviously the company I sent it to wasn't going to do it. No, so, no, it's weird because those things happen. We, we've, yeah. we've experienced that in a few places. Uh, and I have some very weird footage, like really, you can't explain it. You it's, can't explain um, it any other way. I mean, it was, yeah. I have a shadow of a person next to a person wearing a top hat. Haunted, a haunted hotel in, um, Columbia in uh, California, outside Yosemite. And Columbia mm -hmm. is the oldest preserved gold rush town in California. And people dress up in the period costume and everything. We went to the city hotel. It's been on the History Channel and all that, too, for the paranormal yeah. activity. Mostly it's in the kitchen. And apparently, like, you know, pots and pans and knives and stuff will fly. Nothing happened in there. And I'm trying to feel it because we lived in a haunted cabin. And I've gone through 
some really weird stuff. And I nothing, nothing. And the one girl's dressed in period outfit. And I said, well, why don't you stand um, at the registration desk? Stand behind there. It's the old, it's like an old bar, you know, and mm-hmm. I'll take your photo. And so I needed Nancy and, and the gentleman taking us around to, you know, just step outside so I could close the door behind me and take her photo. So there's no light coming in, but it, mm-hmm. there's a, a shadow of a person behind her with a top hat. You can tell shoulders, the whole thing. It wasn't yeah. me. It was, abs- and I've, it's bizarre, but it yeah. was there. Yeah. yeah, and you you saw you know it, and you can't explain. But you could it. you could get vibe, and you get a vibe too. I mean, there's that gothic jail in Derrida, Louisiana. There they hanged uh, two guys in the jail, and the whole town came out and had a picnic, and they carried them out of the actual jail. But it's a gothic jail, and I could when I went up, it was like a twirly whirly kind of thing. You're walking up, and I felt like a hand on my head, as, as and I was like, dude. This is not cool. I, I'm I'm not into this, man. But um, every pe- I, other people don't feel anything, and just I don't know if I'm just one of those people that you know I'm pretty sensitive to that kind of stuff. But I I don't see why not. You know, when you've had some real experiences, you you can't deny it once you've been through it. You know. And if if we believe we have a soul, you know. Why wouldn't that soul possibly stay hanging around rather than moving on? It you yeah. know it just makes sense. And Do especially you feel... when it's somebody that was cut short that you know maybe yeah. wasn't ready to go. When you go to bed and breakfast in places like historic cities and towns, and you write these stories, don't you feel like the importance of these towns? Um, to write about them in the bed and breakfast to me, I feel like every bed and breakfast are they're they're almost their own museum in some yes. way like yeah and they've got know? a history yeah even even the renovations are really good about that dirty hotels the one including all of them not all of them i guess but a good many of them or they they reconstitute old buildings which i love rather than seeing something torn down mm-hmm. so now you're in Florida. Okay, so let's talk about where you're... Did you do the books first or the travel writing first? What came first? The, travel... the chicken or the egg? <laughs> or I should say the alligator or the egg? <laughs> Actually, the travel writing kind of triggered the book. They're, they're, they're kind of married. The travel writing, I started doing that almost accidentally. I did a lot of RVing. I had a little dog and I traveled everywhere with my dog those days. And I did a lot of RVing and I found this it was a beautiful little campground not nothing there it wasn't resort type it was just nature just pretty nature and nobody there on a beautiful lake lake seminole right on the florida georgia line oh yeah yeah right and i was the only person there except for the host and it was so beautiful and i wrote for uh so either trailer like one of the woodall's publications for that one. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, at the time I was selling real estate. And it was just, you know, just sort of a, let's try it and see what happens. And they bought it. I think I got like probably about $75 or something. But it was just, it, it had me hooked after that. And then I began more seriously writing. Well, not too much longer after that, I was writing for Georgia Magazine. And they wanted 13 haunted spots in Georgia for their Halloween issue, the October issue. And I was limited to 1,800 words. And 
I had so much material left over. I was like, oh, why don't I turn this into a book? And that's how George's Ghost of Getaways came about. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I understand how that is. I mean, when you start traveling, you start, yeah, you can't, you get, you, when you go to, even if it's a two, three day visit, mm-hmm. you walk away going, oh man, I got 10 stories and how am I going to do this? You have mm-hmm. that problem? <laughs> Oh, yes. And there's always so much, and, and most magazines limit you to so many words, people just get bored if they read too much, and yet there's so much you want to tell people. Yeah. And they're interesting, fun things, that things they would want to know about if they're going there. And that, to me, is what travel writing is. It's like you go someplace, you come back, you want to tell your friends all the things they need to go see when they're there. Yeah, exactly. I want to stand on the mountain, bang pots and pans and say, man, you all get to get off your butts, you know, <laughs> turn the TV off and get out there. It's amazing when you find places that are special. And and honestly, I think every place ha- you, I've never been anywhere. Nancy and I've never that I know of or can remember. Never been anywhere saying that you can walk away without finding a story or something cool. It may not be what Typically, people will call a destination, but there's always something. Don't you feel that? Yes. And every time I go somewhere, I learn something new. Actually, two of my books grew out of another press trip. Uh, Travel Media Showcase, again, was set that year. I don't remember what year it was even. uh, was in uh, Kansas City. And I'm thinking, okay, jazz, which I love, uh, barbecue. Oh, yes. Wrong, you know, can't go wrong with that. But that was it. I mean, I wasn't all excited. Well, for a poster, for, for people who are not writers who don't know, usually these events have a pre or a post trip or both. And I applied for the history and the the post trip, and it was zigzagging back and forth across the Kentucky, I mean, the Kansas Missouri border, and all of the pre Civil War things, the bloody Kansas story, the things that to me. If these things hadn't happened, the Civil War might not have gone ahead. It might have been averted because so oh, much wow. violence that was breaking out there led into it. And I said, that you know, that's the story. So I was going to be one book. It ended up being two books. And then I ended up tying also a third book, which I just did as an e-book, which ties in with my great-great-grandfather who created submarines. They were cannons and then possibly the wow. submarines in New Orleans during in the custom house during the Civil War. And I had to write about that too. But uh the Kansas, Missouri part, it just it just needed to be told. Wow. You know, the, the history that was there. Yeah, I I find that too. We just came back from Oklahoma um we were outside Ufala, Oklahoma. It's Dakota. Uh mm-hmm. Oklahoma, where Carrie Underwood was born, by the way. Uh, oh. the singer. And Music um project. Yeah, and they have a blues museum, like a event center, next to the Battlefield Visitor Center that was just built. But this, um, and no, no one was there when we were there, but they have like a blues festival every September, I think it is. I'm not sure, but we didn't. I didn't know about that one. And, well, it's, it's, I mean, we're like in the middle of nowhere almost, but this battlefield's massive. And this battle that went to Honey Springs Battlefield. The battle that went down there was, you know, it was like the North and South fighting each other right there. You know, you had the Reds and the Blues fighting and 
you had black on black, Indian on Indian, white on white, all from the same family on opposite sides. How mm -hmm. the heck did that happen? I mean, that is some drama in families. I mean, oh. that's, it's, it's insane. You know, when you go to these places and you're like, these stories should be mandatory that yeah. everybody knows, you know. And they're not being told. And that's yeah. sad. Yeah. So I think there's a really important thing as travel writers. As a travel writer, I know you belong to um, the International Food Wine Travel Writers Association and another yeah. association too, right? Because that's important yeah. to be part yeah. of these Society groups. Society of American Travel Writers too, both those two. Yeah. So. And but, yes, they are important. First off, it's amazing because we help one another. And we also help a little bit with promotions, too, sometimes. And, of course, with the press trips. And the press trips, without the press trips, you know, unless you're pretty well off, you don't make the kind of money at travel writing that you could afford to just hop in and go wherever you want. So the press trips are really important. Yeah, and that, and that's a way for, you know, destinations to get people there to share the story. It's it's a work-work. It's um, People think, oh, travel writers just get this big free ride, and it's not. It, it's not. It's work. We're working. And it's, mm -hmm. it's a trade because you know yourself, if you're reading something, a magazine, and you look at it, and there's one article that's written by an individual person who's been there, and another page that's just an ad paid for by the whatever place it is you're thinking of going, you're going to pay a lot more attention to what the individual person's saying because you know the ad's being paid for just to get you there. The person that's been there is an individual telling you what they saw when they were there. Mm -hmm. So you're going to get a, you know, a lot more interesting outlook than just an ad saying. And you visit. follow people, follow travel writers, you know, right. like for, you know, people that love history and music and culture, they're going to know, Oh, and outdoors and kayaking with alligators. You follow Katie, <laughs> you know, that that's it. And when we get to Florida in your area, man, we're going, we're still going to go on that kayaking trip that we've been talking about for years oh, yes, go, definitely. I, also, I i i love with can, alligators you can <laughs> get close up and kiss a wolf too yeah that's what you're talking about that too story with that one where i have a shot of the wolf right up on my face we're, we're, we're nose to nose <laughs> and uh the editor that i sold it to was cigarette wolf wolf preserve is the places it's really a wonderful they're trying to make people understand the truth about wolves that they're not these evil creatures mm -hmm. and that they have a real strong place in nature and the editor that i sold it to she said that's a great story but i don't think i want to do it but you know i wasn't by the time i was sitting in there with him i wasn't at all afraid of him it was just yeah i'd gone through the little orientation and the person there explained that the wolf they're not pets they're socialized but they're not domesticated they mm -hmm. live in their habitat which is representative of the wild and they're in a little there were three in the little group that i was in with and um uh, you go in there and they tell you you know that you know if they come up to you this is their way of greeting you and you know they do yeah. and it, it's not scary exactly it's just you know i got a little bit maybe but not really Oh, it's, it's, you know, I, I think that's the thing about traveling. You get also these behind the scenes stories. Yes. You know, because not everyone gets to do it. And in a way you're educating whether or not people can get to go there. They know they may share it with someone going. It's like, Oh, I read something. Let me, you know, share it with you. And, 
not everyone gets to go everywhere, you know, and so um, there's a there's a huge benefit of it. So where's your next destination? Uh, the next one is going to be the Gulf Coast, um, uh, Cape, uh, Cape St. Blas on the, the Forgotten Coast. I've been to parts of the Forgotten Coast, but this is a little bit different than most of them, near Carabell. Oh, Car- oh Carabell's beautiful. Oh, yes, oh that. I oh, I, I love it out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it out there. It Carabell is beautiful. And, and Apalachicola, too. Well, the whole, that whole area. And then there's a, that beautiful, the state park. Uh, I want to say St. Mark's, but I could be wrong on that. But it's no, right. St. Mark's is more by St. Uh, yeah, no, the National a, Wildlife Rift. That's by right. Wakula and yeah. all of that area, isn't it? Right. This is a different, it's a beautiful park, but it's right on the beach. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. It has a lighthouse, too. Don't remember what, what the name of that one is. Yeah, we went We went to go there, and I think. It's between you, Carabell and Apalachicola. Yeah, it's beautiful out there. We've been out there, and I think they'd had some damage from hurricanes years ago, a few years back. Yeah, yeah one of the uh, lighthouse was closed for all because of damages. Yeah, I think when we were there, and, and a lot of people go it's there for beautiful. shelling, and they yeah. collect shells. And um, when I think timing wise, we just I we did go out there. I remember getting lost. There's a wildlife refuge out there, and it is absolutely beautiful. We saw dolphins. We saw dolphins out there. And all kinds of, uh, oh, it's just absolutely the, the Spanish moss is hanging from yeah. the trees. Oh, Tate's man. It's the wildlife you're trying to remember. Tate's Hill. You okay. You hear the story on Tate's Hill? No. Many years ago, this is right next to Apalachicola. I mean, next to uh, Carabelle. And this farmer, Tate, uh, was losing some of his cattle to then that's when we had mountain lions here then. And uh, he went out with some dogs and his gun. He was going to hunt them. And the dogs ended up, I guess, getting killed off. And he's standing by himself. He gets sick, loses the gun. And he finally, 10 days later, he wanders out into Carabelle. And people are asking, where where have you been? Where have you been? And all he could say is, my name is Tate and I've been in hell. So they named it Tate's Hell. But it's wow. a very beautiful wildlife preserve there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it it is an amazing area, and all the way to Wakula and uh, Saint Mark's, and that Saint Mark's National Wildlife Refuge, they have a flamingo out there, Pinky, that people mm-hmm. go to watch and see. Yeah, there's a there's a flamingo in Saint Mark's that has been there. I belong to a Facebook group for Saint Mark's, and I I look at it every day. It's one of my that and Merritt Island National Wildlife Refuge. Oh, those yeah. two. You you Merritt. talked about that on a show that I. I love that wildlife drive when you go around. Oh, that and... is so beautiful. That uh, Scrub Jay Drive, uh, Scrub Jay Trail, mm-hmm. actually got uh, the Scrub Jays are actually landing on me. One of my hat, one of my hand, my shoulder. Just beautiful little birds. And oh. you know, that's the only place they exist is in Central Florida. And wow. uh, the sad thing is, is the developers of the Scrub Jays like the same land. Mm. Not so you work. balance nature and history. Music. Now, what about food? Before we go, we got to ask about food. Is oh, that part of food? Yes, got to have food. And you know, food has a history to it too, especially if you come from yeah. New Orleans. I mean, when you get to New Orleans, there's, there's a tremendous difference. People think of New Orleans food, but there's Cajun food, there's Creole food, there's soul food. Oh, boudin! If you go, if you go Boudin's southwest, right. and then and meat pies and Natchitoches. 
and it's um, totally different. You know, you might get something one place and it tastes completely different than another. It's just like gumbo. Gumbo, you might get, if you get a Creole gumbo, it will have tomato in it. It'll be reddish. And if you get a Cajun gumbo, it won't. Hmm. But they all have okra in them. Got to have the okra first, not gumbo. That, that's it. See, now everybody's got a different opinion about okra. Now mm-hmm. I've had dried okra and I'm, I'm sticking with that. I like that better. There's... I like fried okra too, but you, you know, if you're going to have gumbo, you got to have okra. All right. Yeah. See, everybody, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Listen to Katie, and yeah. I love it. Well, Katie, everybody can go to your website, katiewalls.com. That's K-A-T-Y for Kathleen. You know, she's Irish. And also follow her travel writing at AmericanRoads.net. Uh, go there, and also you'll see her page up on BlendRadioNTV.com uh, and NationalParkTraveling.com. She's got an expert and contributor uh, page up there, so you can click through um, on those pages and listen and read some of her past stories on our sites and listen to her past interviews there and follow as she comes on more shows and our panel discussions. We're going to be talking about music and road trips and all kinds of good stuff, so Keep up with us at BigBlendRadio.com. Thank you so much, Katie. It's always fun. Thank you, Lisa. I enjoy it all the time with you.